This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. The Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less... My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Ryan, it is an election year. Yes, it is. Who are you voting for? But of course. For Daffy Duck. <laughs> or Jimmy Carter. I can't decide. Uh, you know, every year <laughs> is an election year. That is true. And we, 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 we always say it's an election year. But is it, no matter when you say that, it's typically true. You're usually going to be voting for something, whether it's mm -hmm. city council or, or something else. And ours is not a, a, a partisan talk show. Mm -hmm. Everyone, I think, knows this who, who listens regularly. Uh, but today we are going to discuss local, national, and international politics. So we thought we'd bring someone in to do that. Uh, we're also going to talk about the outrage and divisive nature of mm. our current political climate. We're going to talk about how we can avoid getting caught up in the disarray and turmoil created by tribalism and partisan politics. And we're going to do that with today's guest. Kim Iverson is here today. She's from The Kim Iverson Show. Kim, yeah. thank you for being here. Thanks, Thanks for being here, Kim. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, let, let, me, let me ask you this, Kim. We, we often say, well, we don't, I don't want to get political. And I, that really frustrates me because the, the, the word politics comes from the word that the, the, the Latin word that just means the affairs of the people or the affairs of the city. And so if we're talking about politics, isn't, I think, to some extent, everything is political. I think what we're really talking about is I don't want to be partisan because I don't want to offend other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously everything in life, especially right now, is political. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think everything's political. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that isn't anymore. And so, um, yeah, people don't they just don't want to they don't want to make enemies or actually right now, though, I feel like people are more inclined to just say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to tell you what I think and I don't care. And if you're not on my team, <laughs> then we can't be friends. So I'd, ri I'd rather suss it out right now anyway. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of I'm noticing this. Isn't that that's quite a problem, though? Um, by it's so exclusionary in a way where it's like, hey, if you don't fit into the same box as me, and in fact, we got some questions that, that sort of dive into this. In fact, why don't we go ahead and start there? Because we've got some really good questions that I think will allow us a, a jump off point to discuss some of these political topics. Our first question is from Christy in New York City. I'm wondering if uh, you've ever discussed minimalism for government, um, particularly interested in reducing government costs. So uh, I'm wondering if you've particularly spoken about that to government officials. So minimalism and government, or minimalism and, and politics. And when we talk about minimalism, Ryan and I are talking about living a meaningful life with less. It usually starts with the stuff, then it's about being more intentional with all other areas of our life, right? And, and so people often think it just has to do with material possessions. I think that's a, that's a big piece of it. But a lot of it has to do with too much spending, living beyond our means, et cetera. Well, who's the most notorious for living beyond their means? And I, whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, it's often the government. The government's often spending money on things we don't want them to spend money on. Um, however, I think that's why it's important to, to find the right leadership that we can have people in place who will spend the money on what we want them to spend it on. 
Yeah, it's very libertarian, right, to say, let's be minimalist with mm. the government. Less government mm. is right. a very libertarian <laughs> viewpoint. Uh, and yeah, I mean, for sure, what we want, I, I guess it really kind of depends. Um, those who want maybe larger government and more government spending, but they want it on things that are valuable to their lives, things that benefit their lives. So it does become a problem when you start to look at government and say, wow, they're really spending on all of these things that I don't even know what that's for. Um, you know, like recently on the ballot here in California, there was this uh, th like a measure to add money, more taxation for improving the schools, the buildings or something along those lines. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are sitting there looking at this thinking, gosh, we've got so many other things that we need this money to go towards. Mm -hmm. And yet we're just adding money to the pot, spending it on all these random things. And so, yeah, you know, I do think that people want um, – even people that want big government, I think what they want it is to be efficiently big government. Yeah. And so they still want that almost minimalist attitude of, well, what are we, let's focus and funnel this money into these select areas that are going to benefit our lives. Yeah. And then you've got the obvious, um, like the true minimalist for government, right? Who would be almost like an anarchist. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. When I think of a minimalist government, because when we talk about minimalism it's really about living intentionally and what you're talking about uh as far as how the government spends money that's what i think of when i think of a minimalist government uh, i don't think of less government um i will be the first to admit i hate regulations but guess what we got to have some regulations in place mm -hmm. uh, we have to have uh people in place to enforce those regulations so uh, you know as, as a minimalist i don't I don't think it would be totally insane. It's not like if we were minimalist, you know, if it was president and vice president Milburn Nicodemus, uh, we wouldn't all of a sudden be like, all right, now people can only wear loincloths <laughs> or togas. Uh, yes, you, you can't go into debt. I mean, it wouldn't be uh, that type of extreme version of it. But I think there are some practices that Josh and I have in our lives that other minimalists have in their lives that totally would uh, bring about good effects for the country when it comes to spending money intentionally. Now, if you can get everyone to agree on what intentionality means when it comes to spending money, like that would be, that's the most difficult part, right? Well, it seems to me, and Kim, I don't know if you agree with this, but it seems to me the government's role, and this will at first sound like a libertarian position, but I don't think it is. Uh, it, it sounds to me the government's role is to function where the market is inadequate. Uh, and, and I think at first you're like, well, the, the libertarians would say, you know, the market solves almost everything. But also I think even a communist would say the government should function where the market is inadequate. They mm -hmm. just think the market is completely inadequate. And I think we are somewhere in between. We're, we, we actually advocate as minimalists for, for balance. You know, we are not hoarders, but we're also not Spartans where we have to get rid of everything and continue to get rid of everything. Mm -hmm. It's about finding the, the appropriate balance. It happens to be that the appropriate balance is usually far less than what we we thought we needed as individuals, but I actually think it's probably a little bit different in government. Uh, and so uh, there, there is there is a place for regulation. There is a place for government. There is a place for the market, though. Right, right. I mean, for me personally, you know, I'm more. Um, I, I I'm not a libertarian, but I definitely have a lot of libertarian esque to me, where I'm very into, um, I, I like my freedoms and I like less government for sure. But the socialist side of me, mm -hmm. which I'm very, I'm really into the Scandinavian model, mm -hmm. um, is to have that government that works really efficiently. 
So even if it is seemingly a, I, I would, I don't even consider the Scandinavian model necessarily a big government. Yeah. I think that is a minimalist government in a lot of ways. There's not a lot of red tape. There's not a lot of bureaucracy that you have to get through. It's that they've they've maintained a very efficient government. So you can have a minimalist style government being libertarian or being even socialist. You know, mm. there are actual. Um, uh, there's examples of this. You could even say communism could be, I mean, when you look at China, it's fairly minimalist, sure. even running in a communist style. I mean, they don't have any red tape. They don't mm. have any bureaucracy. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's authoritarianism. And, and, and so but I, minimal. I mean, well, it's right. a lot of authoritarianism, but at least you're not dealing with a big gut, you know, you're dealing with maybe a powerful government. Yeah. Well, I, I think Christie's question ultimately comes down to because she's she's talking about government spending here, and I, I would love to see something. And I hear there are a few countries that do this. I believe Australia Australia is a country that does this, where when you submit your taxes, which by by the way are much more simple. The one thing that's not minimalist is our tax code. Good grief. Uh, and, and, and none of us understand it. I mean, we have to pay a ridiculous amount of money to an accountant and a bookkeeper just to, to make sure that we can give the government the correct amount of money right now. Mm. Whereas at places like Australia, not only, not only do they do that for you, from uh, my understanding, but you get to understand also where your money is going. And mm. it would be really fascinating if you could vote directly. Now, we're not a democracy, uh, and, and but it would be really fascinating if we could say, you know what, I'm paying $1,000 in taxes this month, and I want this much, much to go to wars, and I want this much to go toward the homeless, and I want... Wow, that uh, would be so great. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it? That would be so great. You get great. to choose where your dollars go. Yeah, and then we would really be voting for what are we, what do we value as a society? What do we, where do we want our money to go? And I think it would be such an interesting test case. Gosh, I almost want to kind of create that, like get a thousand people and, <laughs> and make a sheet and say, okay, where would you put your tax dollars and see where that budget would end up? Mm-hmm. You know, what do people ultimately value? Yeah. Well, that do us a favor. Really if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, just in the comments below, let us know the three things you'd like your money to go toward the most. You, you're paying taxes right now. And you, this doesn't have to be in America. Only about half of our audience is in the United States. But if, if you... Uh, if you say, I really want money to go X, Y, or Z. Yeah, and give us percentages. Yeah, 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 I like this. Yeah, because you just put three, It's because it's not going to be 33%, 33%, yeah, uh-huh. 33, I, yeah, 0.1%. I want 100% of my money to go right. toward tanks. <laughs> we need more tanks. You always say that. You know, you brought up uh, Scandinavian countries, and I wonder, a piece of me wonders if socialism works well because of the community of people there, or is it because of the government? Or maybe it's a little bit of both. I'm just curious, like, what, what, would, what do you think, Ken? I think it's both. I, it, well, I think, actually, governments are a reflection of the people and the values of the people. So if you've got a country like Italy, for example, which I spent quite a bit of time there about a year and a half ago, um, the, you know, you know I, I love Italy, I love, I love the Italian people, but the average Italian is slightly corrupt. Like just in their everyday life. It's like part of their culture. Right. So hmm. if you, you know, you talk to an Italian, they're kind of, they're, they're sort of willing and dealing with you. Like Matt Diavella. <laughs> <laughs> so then that attitude kind of goes into the government. So if they think they can kind of get a little bit of a deal out of you, then, you know, if they're, if they've been, become an elected official, then they kind of have that same attitude. Oh. And I think the in Scandinavia, there's a uh, an attitude and just a culture of honesty and trust mm. that and, and a lack of corruption just in the average everyday like Swede, for example. Uh-huh. And so when they take that, they take that attitude to the government. 
And we see that here in the United States. Um, the average American typically has a very, um, what you guys would call like a maximalist, right, attitude yeah, yeah. of just gaining as many possessions as we possibly can. More, 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 more. I'd more, agree yeah. with that. Bigger Never house, enough. more stuff, right, exactly. More money. We need to, you know, our net worth is where our value comes from and our amount of things. And so we take that attitude when we get into office as well. And that is, okay, now here I'm in a situation where I can maybe take advantage of this and make a lot more money and then maybe uh, get more money from the American people in order to spend on more things mm. and you know, there's that attitude kind of seeps into the government. So I do think it's more of the culture that creates the government. So in order to change your government, you have to change your culture. I love that. It's also That's a bit so of a true. blended system, too. It's not true socialism. It's, it's very free market um, with respect to the Scandinavian countries. Uh, my wife is her family is, is Norwegian. And I think there's something that you said about that. There's almost like this aggressive honesty and honesty is not even the right word but and it's not even transparency there, there's like this almost i don't know moral code it's it's the opposite of what you were talking about with respect no offense to italians we're, we're all individuals here <laughs> there are plenty of corrupt uh, uh swedes and, and and danish and everyone else but but i think you're saying as a culture um th there's there's something that's different that then bleeds into the government it's not the other way around it's not the government enforcing a culture onto people we all know that doesn't work you, mm -hmm. you can't enforce a, a culture uh culture is is something that is sort of organic and and so when, when i'm thinking about about these different styles of government quite often what works is what works the same thing that works in our lives it's a blend it, it's never going to be perfectly libertarian or perfectly socialist uh, there 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 are a bunch of different factors that, that sort of work together to make it work well yeah balance is key for sure when it comes to government and you know i really appreciate having both sides uh, you know, in the United States. I mean, of course, I would like more, even more, uh, you know, when it comes yeah. to political parties. I want more political parties, not fewer. Right. But, um, but definitely, you know, I, I appreciate that there's a bit of a push and a pull that kind of, dra you know, when we go too far one way, you've got another side saying, hey, wait a minute, we need to go and, and pull back a little bit and go more in this other direction. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely when it comes to, uh, we, we do have to change our attitudes and what we're looking for out of our government. And when you look at our country, you know, we're very, um, we're like a, a hyper militant country in general, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we, people really are, good word to use people this. really love their guns. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. People really, you know, that's a, that's a, an American mentality that obviously we've taken into our government. We have an enormous military that is going around the world, you know, bullying everybody. Yeah. And that is, that's a very American attitude, unfortunately. Mm. So mm. how do we get that to change is the big question. How do we get people to realize what is the what is more valuable in life and where we should be focusing our government and our attention and our time yeah. rather than on all of this that's not, that sounds like some questions that a minimalist would ask ask themselves. <laughs> I'm very much a minimalist, by the way. Just so I'm, well, I'm, awesome. a, I'm like an extreme. No, minimalist. You, got, you totally got the memo on the black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Well, hey, Christy, uh, I think the best place to start with, with respect to finances is not with the government. It's, it's probably with your own finances. So I'm going to send you a copy of our book, Essential. It's an essay collection with 12 different areas of intentional living. One of those areas is getting intentional with your finances. So there's a whole chapter in there about finances. So if you like our podcast you'll like the audiobook version of essential or if you want the book book or the ebook podcast sean will be happy to send you one of those as well our next question is from jeremy in georgia i've heard you talk several times uh about uh 
a little bit about politics. I know it's not a subject that's touched on a lot, but I was wondering, are you guys libertarian? And um, if so, you know, how, how do you fall in line politically? I know you guys don't like labels, but what exactly would you consider yourself or what do you think would be more of a minimalistic position on politics? And was just thinking of what you thought of libertarianism. Jeremy, um, libertarianism. No, I am a pescatarian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. So, Kim, this is a, a fascinating question because people often want to say, hey, what box do you put yourselves in? Yeah. But here's what I can tell you is um, I, I find it to be dangerous. I don't put myself in a particular box, and that's not a cop-out. And let, let me explain why, because I think it's so much more nuanced than that. I'll give you an example. Ryan and I, in the last presidential election, voted for two different people. And it's like, <gasps> how could you two be best friends since you were yeah. fifth graders? And people will tweet us and write us emails. They're like, I can't listen to you anymore knowing that one of you voted for Trump. And we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know there was more than two people to vote uh, to, to, to vote for, right? Right, and, and that's <laughs> the thing. You were just saying a moment ago, you wish there were more than two parties. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I mean, we do have some uh, third party options, right? right? There is the Libertarian Party, and there's yeah. also the Green Party, and there's a, a new party emerging called the People's Party. Okay. Um, but and yeah, the Whigs. The back of the day. <laughs> <laughs> we're know, bringing them back. Right. We're not really set up to be necessarily a two party system. We can actually function with more parties. Yes. Yeah. Uh, back when Lincoln was elected, people don't realize this, but there was actually four major candidates. And Lincoln won via the Electoral College. Mm. He didn't get the popular vote. He won through the Electoral College because um, it was split four ways. And so it just came down to that. Uh, it, you know, we definitely could add more parties. The problem we've got right now is, uh, you know, everybody's had to join into these two. And it's so difficult then to put yourself in a box when yeah. there's the, the fiscal side of things, the policy side of things, and then there's the morality side of things. And the fiscal side has seemed to kind of merge into almost one party. They're, they're not really giving us very many options with the two in a lot of in a lot yeah. of aspects. It's like, oh, Democrat or Republican, it's one or the same. And now it's really the differentiation seems to be on the moral side. You know, how do you morally fit in? Yeah. Are, are you a Democrat or a Republican in that respect? Um, but we definitely have more nuance. And, you know, people ask me all the time, what am I? Am I a libertarian? Am I a progressive? I identify myself as a progressive. Mm. But I'll tell you, a lot of progressives tell me I'm not a progressive. Mm. They call me a right winger. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, lots of them. Wow. It, it, you know what's fascinating about that is and I, th I see the same thing happen with people who are libertarians. You know, when someone, you know, during we were, we were listening to the, to the question from Jeremy, podcast Sean was talking about Justin Amash, who is running, I think, for the libertarian candidate. He's, he's the first libertarian in Okay, so he's the first libertarian in in, in Congress, and um, and and what the what I guess true libertarians will say is you're not libertarian enough, right? Or or, or if it's uh, conservatives, you're not conservative enough. Or if it's progressive, you're not progressive right. enough. And and the problem with this, we we had Pete Buttigieg on here, and he was talking about uh, purity tests and and how when we we can't even meet our own purity tests, that right. becomes a a real problem and and that's why i have i have i have problems with sort of ideologies because when you create just these two boxes which box do you fit and it's like well i fit into that box maybe 20 percent of the time and i fit in that box 40 percent of the time i don't fit in either box another 40 percent of the time what am right. i supposed to do mm -hmm. and, and it does feel like 
I mean, to a great extent, uh, I mean, it can be different with this election, say, but to, and most of the time it feels like, okay, which, which one do I have to vote for? And that's really unfortunate. I mean, I, very rarely do I get excited to, to vote for someone. And I feel like I, feel like I, should, I, I should be excited. I should have someone that I feel really good about. And, and I don't mean ha- I want, I'm ag- going to agree with you on 100% of the issues. No, what I'm talking about is I feel really good about that person as a leader, although we might disagree on things. Just like you're, you, you, Kim, I, I, I really like your show on YouTube because I, I agree with you 30 to 60% of the time, <laughs> but I want your perspective. I want to be able to disagree with you because it's either going to help me change my opinion mm-hmm. or it's going to help me solidify my own point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, like for me, I, I definitely, you know, when it comes to like being a progressive, I have like I said, I like the Scandinavian model. I'm mm-hmm. a real big fan of Sweden. I think Sweden right now is in particular is like the greatest <laughs> country on earth. Yeah. I want to pack my bags and move there if it weren't dark half the year and right. cold. You know? <laughs> um, but it is difficult to fit into boxes when, you know, as a progressive myself, I say, okay, I'm really into like Medicare for all and I like a, a really solid social structure so a social safety net for people mm-hmm. but i'm a big believer in my second amendment rights and my right for free speech mm-hmm. and my right for you know freedoms i have a, a real strong libertarian streak and that makes people say well you you're not a progressive and you're not a real progressive then yeah. if you don't want to get rid of guns mm-hmm. yeah. right if you know that's that's the purity test you're talking about yeah. and i think we conflate two things because earlier you said america has a real love for guns you can believe in the second amendment without coveting and loving guns right and, and there's a difference there you you're not walking around she didn't walk in here with an ar-15 <laughs> love people use guns <laughs> the opposite never works no you know it's funny we're i feel like we are pigeonholed into this two-part two-party system because josh you mentioned being excited about a candidate and i can think of three people in the democratic primary that people were truly excited about yang buddha judge and sanders none of which made it to the top so i i i, I fail to understand how we can have these exciting uh candidates but for some reason they don't rise to the top like i don't know i mean maybe i'm just in this bubble and i i, I am not aware of why one of those three didn't at least you know d- didn't get to the to, to the finish line go ahead well, i do want to talk about and i think we'll save it for the maximum i do want to talk about biden and trump and 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 we need a, a more private space okay. to talk about that. Okay, so, fair enough. So I, I do want I do want to get into that. So, I also want to talk about Sanders and some of the the really good things, but also some of the the the, the problems that, that he stumbled into during so, that campaign. So the other thing I'm thinking about the reason why we're kind of pigeonholed into it as well is that you can't really register as an independent voter in a lot of states. If you register as an independent voter, you don't you don't get a ballot. You get a ballot, but it doesn't have right or left candidates right. on there. It's like maybe you can write them in. Is is that what it's what you're supposed to do? with an independent ballot? It depends. But, it depends. So uh, each state has, in some states, like for California, for example, you can request a party's ballot. So for example, I'm a registered independent in the state of California. In this most recent primary, I, I requested the Democrat ballot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Democratic ballot as opposed to the Republican ballot. Now you could request one or the other. Some states don't allow you, you have to be a registered member of the party in order to mm-hmm. vote for the, and it, it's but only in the primary. Like that, yeah. uh, and I, I can actually understand arguments for both sides like, absolutely if i am a, a republican why do i want democrats voting in my sort of mm-hmm. um uh, uh primary but then again shouldn't we all have the right to vote like i see both sides yeah, yeah. uh anyway um <clears throat> I, jeremy i, I want to talk about one quick thing and then i need to move on to the lightning round here but um i think ultimately what it comes down to here 
with, with whether it's me or Ryan or Kim or anyone else that I associate with, we're going to have different beliefs. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to accept the fact that we're going to have different beliefs. If not, you're going to experience a lot of discontent in your life. And, however, you probably have similar values. And so even though, like I said, Kim and I, we agree 30 to 60% of the time, but I think our values are going to be very similar, especially our core values. And that's what's really important. And then our values change from there. We have sort of structural values and foundational values, et cetera. Um, and, and so I would encourage you to get really clear on what your values are. We have a worksheet on our website. It's free. You can download it. Just go to theminimalists.com slash V and you can download the values worksheet. You can sort of identify what your values are. And I would encourage you to review that with someone that you know, because it, it, once you understand who you are, it, mm-hmm. it helps you better understand and express yourself with, with others without being outraged. Th- this is absolutely right, because when I think about how I vote, it's I, I look at what I value first, and then I look at the candidates. I'm like, okay, who's going to support those values? And it, it could go either way, and it, and it has for the you know past several elections, uh, not just the presidential election. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, Jeremy, thank you so much for your question. Check out the values worksheet. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It's time for the lightning round where we answer questions from, well, your text messages. Text your questions or comments to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Those texts literally go to both of our phones. Um, which is a lot of fun and sometimes <laughs> Josh giant- just sends me a bunch of eggplant emojis <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do reply to as many texts as we can even when it's not on the show uh, during the lightning round Kim this is where Ryan and I and our guest we, we do our best to answer questions with a short shareable less than 140 character response oh, gosh. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we put the text to these uh, minimal maxims in the show notes so people can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if they like and you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place minimalmaxims.com Really, we can just ramble on a bit till we get something pithy. Or not. We can just ramble on in general. <laughs> Ryan, uh, Laura's got a question for us. How can we avoid fatigue and maintain civility as citizens in this heated political climate? Well, here, I'll give you a pithy answer. Maybe we'll unpack it together here. My pithy answer is a tribe unites against a common enemy, but a community unites around a common cause. Amen. So I think right now we, we have a lot of tribalism where it's just like, I am with you because we hate the same people. Mm-hmm. Mm. And well, that, that bond doesn't last very long because if all of a sudden you do something, you don't pass my next purity test. Now I hate you, Kim. And, and it's like, but if we're part of a community, we're united around something, then all of a sudden it's, it, it means, okay, you know what? We don't agree on this, this, and this, but we have something we, we can unite around. Do you agree with this? Yeah. Um, I, well, it just, it's the problem is I think people, what they're uniting around are the, are the morality arguments. And so that's where it gets really, really challenging. It's not so much about uniting over a cause or uniting over, um, you know, when it gets really personal because it's morals and it's about, well, you know, I'm, uh, if you don't agree with me, then you're just an immoral person. Mm -hmm. How do you even recover from that? Right. You know, that's the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think quite often that that is many ways th- that's almost the tribalism that I'm talking about here, because if, if even if it's a moral stance where uh, and, and by what, by the way, in a little bit, we're going to talk about some things on the maximal like uh, 
guns and abortion and a lot of fun things that we can talk <laughs> about. And, and, and th- th- I want to do it as an illustration because I, I want to prove that you can have these conversations that are difficult conversations without hating someone else and maybe even disagree with someone and, and still say, well, hey, I still like you as a person. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and even even when any of these topics come up, these what we call them third rail uh, topics, like we're, we're just terrified to touch on, on any of these. Um, it's almost like we need more safe spaces. What I mean by that is, is spaces where we can say, like Ryan and I, if we're just in this room alone, there's literally is not a thing that he and I couldn't talk about. Right. Anything. Name the topic. We could talk about it. Yeah. And I think we need to make more room maybe compassion for, for other people's points of view. Yeah, if you could just get past the, because you have that viewpoint, you're now a bad person. Yeah. And if you can't get past that, then that's, you know, but if you can, if you can actually sit there and say, okay, we can, I, I can fundamentally believe that you're not a bad person just because you disagree with me on something. I'm not gonna automatically call you a racist or yeah. you know a baby killer or something that's like really awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a real challenging space that we're in right now is, is yeah. that as, ascribing the morality to the person and then trying to look past that. Yeah. Not very many people can do that right now. It's interesting how I feel like people are motivated to vote based upon what they hate. It's not about what they love. It's almost like I hate this person, so mm-hmm. I'm going to vote against them. And that's that's unfortunate. Uh, my pithy answer is this. Political affiliation doesn't matter as much as how you treat the people around you. Isn't that funny? Because you can say I'm a a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim or a Republican or a Democrat or a Pescatarian, mm-hmm. right? And that tells me something about you, but it doesn't tell me about you. Yeah. But, you know, we talked earlier about changing the culture and, like, that's really how you get a, a good change in government. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, is how you change the culture is it starts with how do you, what do you do for your community? What do you do for your friends and your family, your neighbor? Like that is, that's really the only thing we have control over. Like it doesn't matter who the president is. What matters is how you and I treat each other. And if we could focus on that, uh, that's going to cut through all of this morality policing and this fake outrage, I feel like. I think it probably does matter who the president is, but it also doesn't matter as much as we pretend it does quite often. Sure. Um, and, and And I think... Well, I mean, especially like I think about uh, certain political candidates. I'm not going to like sit here and get biased, but there are political candidates that are currently in power running for running for different positions that are divisive. Like their whole campaign is to divide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if that is, uh, if that's what you support, well then y- you're being part of that divisiveness. I feel like Kim, you, you, um, I mean, you do a political show on YouTube. And so <laughs> I, do you I turn off your YouTube comments or, no, I read them. No, yeah, I read them. Yeah. I think actually, I've I've changed my stance on this recently. I think that's healthy, and and here's why: because I I think for the longest time I didn't have the calluses necessary to sort of handle the the uh, the feedback and the criticism. Yeah, and I couldn't, and because of that, I couldn't differentiate between the two. Criticism just presents a problem. Screw you, you suck, you whatever. Yeah, I hate the way that your outfit looks. Whatever it might be, like it's not helpful. Feedback. It's really helpful. In fact, if I pretend I'm never going to look at any comments or anything, that's going to be a, a different problem because then it's like me and the sort of ivory tower thing. But you're saying you read comments because you do get some feedback that might help you 
Uh, challenge your own opinions? Yeah, I mean, I definitely learn from my comments quite a bit, you know, so I like to read them. I like mm -hmm. to see what the, even the really trashy negative comments that seem to have no value sometimes have some kind of value. Get something you know? out of it, yeah. Yeah, you know, they might say, well, I don't the, like your earrings. That's the level like I want to get to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I, think that's, I think that's healthy, and it, it means that you're a strong person to be able to, to handle that, because uh, first, like, it's like when you first start working out, and like your hands really hurt because you don't have the calluses, right? I think yeah. you need the, the sort of the internet calluses as well. It took me three years, though. Yeah. I will say when I was doing a talk radio show, you know, I did radio for a really long time. And um, I would get emails, like hundreds of emails every day. And so many of them were hate mail. Mm. And it took me a solid three years from when I first started in radio to read those comments, and the, the emails, and, and try to detach from them emotionally mm. and to not let that not to allow my energy to absorb that negativity yeah so for me then when i moved on to youtube and doing my political show i'd been 10 years on radio of getting all kinds of hate mail and i still get even emails today that are pretty hateful but i don't you know that stuff doesn't really bother me i just i like to hear what people have to say even if it's really ridiculous it's still getting inside their mind a little bit. Yeah, I love that. I, I wonder what it is about the human condition where, well, it reminds me of the New Yorker cartoon that you, you brought on a while back. There was this gentleman on a stage, he had a thought bubble going on. Uh, he was like, he was just ending his performance. There's a crowd of people in front of him and they're all giving him a standing ovation except for one guy who's sitting down, he's got his arms crossed and the thought bubble says, oh, I did horrible. No, it, said they, it said they all hate me. Oh yeah, they all hate me, yeah. yeah. So it's like, I don't, what is that? It's like one person can ruin your day until you build up those calluses. Yeah. I mean, I don't seek the criticism, but I will look at comments. Um, but sometimes, like, I will start reading comments, mm -hmm. and I got to stop because I'm like, oh, when I'm, like, really destroying my day right now well, if I keep reading these. And I think the difference is, like, feedback. So what I'll do is, uh, looking for the feedback, I'll go to, like, our Patreon comments, for example. These are, like, the 5,000 most fervent supporters of ours, right? Mm -hmm. And so these are the people, it's not the you know several hundred thousand of people who listen to the podcast. It's like these 5,000 people who have jumped over at least some hoop to, to get there. And they're, they're a bit more understanding. They also give us more room, but they also give us better feedback. Totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so sometimes there's like this, this barrier of entry or this threshold where you can go seek feedback. Just like right now we're, we're finishing our, our fourth book and it's like, I, we're, I'm working with two editors on on the book. Well, three if you count Sean, who is a phenomenal copy editor. Um, and, and and these people are giving like really scathing feedback, and it's hard it's hard to deal with. But I'd rather get it from them, these professionals, than hey, uh, Twitter, what do you think about my new book? Right. <laughs> no, Twitter's the worst. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Twitter's the worst. It's simultaneously the worst and the best. Uh, and, no, and, I don't know. <laughs> all right, we got a bunch uh, more to talk about. Uh, before we get into our added value segment and our listener tips today, it looks like we got a bunch more surprise questions this week, like how would a minimalist president behave? And we're going to read some mean political tweets. So speaking of Twitter, <laughs> and we're going to talk about a bunch of hot button issues like climate change and health care and Donald Trump and Joe Biden and abortion and guns and more with Kim Iverson. If you want to hear that, check out our maximal episodes on the Minimalist Private Podcast. It's just a couple bucks and it's the most honest way for this podcast to earn an income because we don't believe in advertisements. You know, we think advertisements suck. So we make money only if you find value in and support what we create. Head on over to theminimalists.com slash support to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? I got some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. 
Hi, Josh and Ryan. This is Bianca speaking. I'm calling from the Netherlands. I have a tip for Ryan and his double swimming trunk dilemma and a travel tip in general, I hope. Ryan told us he didn't like packing an extra set of swimming trunks just in case the first one got dirty on the trip. Personally, I like to use Dr. Bronner's all-one Kestar soap. I have to add that I am in no way, shape, or form affiliated with this company. Dr. Bronner sells um, pure Kestar liquid soap, which can be used for over 18 different purposes. You can use this to clean your face, body, hair, dishes, laundry, the whole shebang. So while you're traveling, you'll only need this soap. And Ryan, you can hand wash your swimming trunks. I also love this company for using organic and certified fair trade ingredients. Plus, they're packaged in recyclable bottles. I really like their philosophy on how to treat the earth and their suppliers. I think this will appeal to many fellow minimalists. I hadn't heard a recommendation on Dr. Bonner's soap before, so I hope this will help some of you out there. Hi, my name is Taylor, and I'm from Tampa, Florida. I was listening to the Nostalgia episode, and as someone who's a younger minimalist, um, I don't have a whole lot of things necessarily, but I did have a lot of T-shirts that I had accumulated from high school and also from college events, and they all do trigger um, a lot of great memories for me, but they were really clogging up my closet. Um, and so from the transition, uh, after college, I actually took all of the T-shirts and cut them up and made a no-sew blanket. So I'd suggest that anyone who has a lot of T-shirts, um, that would be a useful way for them to get a use out of them. It's great size. It's small. I can travel with it when I go uh, across the state um, or when I get on air. Uh, just keep all those little things that might trigger nostalgia about an event you went to or about uh, maybe a club you joined um, without having the extra bulk. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Kim Iverson for joining us today. Check her out on YouTube. We'll put a link to her show in the show notes. Kim, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, real quick, for right here, right now, this is uh, one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. Hot off the presses, Ryan. Yeah. You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Isn't that <laughs> isn't that uh, applicable for for politics as well? If, if if you're surrounded by a bunch of people where you're like, I really hate their values, mm. then maybe it's time to surround yourself with people who who have similar values to you. Definitely. And so we have this little reminder. Uh, it's the most beautiful wallpaper we've ever put together. We have, we have six or seven of them on our website right now. It's uh, You Can't Change the People Around You, But You Can Change the People Around You wallpaper. You can find that over at theminimalists.com slash change people. You can find all of our other free wallpapers on our resource page as well. You can download that for free for your smartphone or for your desktop. You can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. Comment on this episode, youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails each week. For our added value this week, I know I, was, I said I was going to stop playing songs, Sean, but don't yell at me. We're going to play a song this week. <laughs> the last one. Uh, it, it's it's so appropriate. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid of getting kicked off of iTunes because we play music all the time. We don't do it on, on YouTube, but Jordan, maybe you can put a link to this video. It's so, so good. And mm. the guy's from our hometown. Uh, I sent you this video a while ago. It's called My Vote Don't Count. Oh, yeah. And, and, it's a good uh, one. It's a, it's a rapper named Yellow Pain, and he's from Dayton, Ohio. 
and it is such a great song because he talks about he goes into it like ah screw these politicians my vote doesn't count and then midway through the song he talks about why that's sort of the attitude a lot of us have and he talks about why your vote actually does count and it is such a phenomenal song. I'm actually trying to get him on the podcast. So oh, that'd be great. We, we can talk Kim, about I'm curious, this. like, do, what music do you listen to? Uh, I listen to everything. I'm actually a jazz drummer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So awesome. That's what I studied all through school. Very cool. What's your, <laughs> really? what's yeah. your like, favorite jazz album? I'm just, do you have one? Um, I'm asking for myself, really. You know, I like... I'm trying to like jazz. I pretend I like jazz, <laughs> but I haven't yeah. listened to enough of it. Um, I, you know, I just would say it's one of the standards. I mean, I, I really like Burning for Buddy, which is a okay. drum-focused jazz right. album. But um, I'm going ch- to check it out. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of awesome drumming on on that one. But, awesome. you know, you, you got your basics like Miles Davis, Kind of Blue. Yeah. I'm more okay. of a Coltrane person myself. You're, Coltrane's great. <laughs> Chet Baker. I mean, there's a lot of great jazz artists out there. Do you got any drumming videos on YouTube? I don't. Oh, I man. Don't. I know, right? I, I, t- I think jazz musicians probably have like some of the most talent in the musician world. I totally agree. I went yeah. to a, I went to auto, audio engineering school. This was back in the 90s. And uh, while well, people were still recording on reel-to-reel. So everything I learned is completely out of date at this point. <laughs> uh, it could all be done on our laptops. Now. For sure. But I was like, you know, dealing with these ADATs oh and reel-to-reel and, and yeah. these giant 128-channel mixing boards. And anyway, um, I recorded this jazz trio from Ohio State. And they as a side prize so they were in there like they had polo shirts on like tucked into their khakis and uh, the jazz drummer and it, it was just a great trio and then they had a side project for school it was a death metal band <laughs> and and so they if they had extra time to record they would record their death metal songs and and it's amazing how it takes the you know the precision you actually don't understand how most of us don't understand at least how how much competence is required to play death metal? Yeah, um, which is shocking to me. I just thought it was noise. <laughs> right, you just make a bunch of noise and scream into the microphone. Right, it's really talented noise though. Yeah. Anyway, sure. uh, this is not noise. <laughs> Check out my vote don't count by Yellow Pain. It's a single, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this: love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Thanks again, Kim. I've been broke all my life, but I kept hope all them nights. You see business in my city? Yeah, they closed all them twice. I was just riding down Salem, all them damn potholes I can't drive. I know y'all can fix it faster, but I know y'all won't try. Don't nobody care about us. And that's why I don't vote. Voted for Obama back in 2012. I remember that's when I had hope. He was saying, yes, we can. And everybody got less food stamps. And when I turned 21, I was still broke. I'd never vote again. I don't think I ever had a president make my life better. Did it all on my own. Ain't no politician ever do a nice gesture. I don't even know the man's name. I ain't never seen her one time ever. Tell me how she gonna help the city. What I'm supposed to do, write letters? What I'm supposed to do, blame Trump? He ain't never really gave up. Ain't nobody raised minimum wage. None of these jobs pay enough. I think they just want to keep us broke. Cause they ain't putting nothing in place for us. This how all my people feel. But we gotta learn. We complained enough. Let me change it up. Everything I just said, everybody I know think the same way. See, they don't wanna see us vote. And we never do. So we see the same thing. But all our votes really do count. And they'll never really let it show. So now I'm finna break it down. Cause if I don't, you would probably never know.